the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Bad habits are hard to, hard to break. They're hard to get rid of. They die hard. Even in mature and maturing Christians, we are saved. The Holy Spirit indwells us, but we still bear the scar tissue on our hearts. And that scar tissue contains sin that inhibits us and that endangers us as we sometimes stop thinking rightly and start thinking wrongly. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are blessed and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today, and we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, Pastor Keith continues our study from the Gospel of Matthew entitled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. So if you have your Bibles... Please return with us to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for this day. It's a day that you've made, a day that we can rejoice and be glad in, a day that we can delight in as we come together as a church to love and to stimulate one another, to love and to good works, to encourage each other, to soldier on uh, as... uh, comrades in arms and the army of Jesus Christ. Father, help us to look into your word today and draw from it principles to guard our minds, to guide our prayers, to order our lives. Father, help us to make the model prayer and the principles therein our prayer. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, today we continue our study and application of the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer, some call it the Disciples' Prayer. It's a prayer, interestingly, uh, that tells us a lot about God and a lot about ourselves. Tells us a lot about mankind. Albert Muller calls this prayer a prayer that turns the world upside down. It's a revolutionary prayer. It's a uh, prayer that has toppled dictators, that has brought down kingdoms without firing a shot. 
It's a prayer that rightly illustrates the true relationship between us and God. And again, praying like this, thinking this way, praying this way helps you to find your place and your purpose in redemptive history in God's kingdom. And if you think this through and apply its principles, you will learn a whole lot more about God and a whole lot more about yourself. It orders our thoughts and lives and ministries because it's a prayer that exalts God and humbles human beings like us. Let me read it for you now. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. We've been over this a bazillion times. It's not pray this prayer. It's not pray exactly like this. It's not pray this every day and God will bless you. It's not, not like that. It's pray then like this, after this manner, in this way. According to this model, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here we are in part five of this series. And today we focus on the statement, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we're really just focusing on the first half of that. It's been said that fallen human beings are drawn into sin and self-harm, much like a moth is to a flame. If you've ever had a light hanging up in your backyard and have one of those bug zappers, those bugs just fly into that thing and commit suicide like there's nobody else's business. They watch their fellow bugs do that too, and they still come. I remember uh, years ago, I was using this uh, sermon illustration and and it was because of the part of the country I was in, kind of controversial, but we were talking about fish suicide. That really with fly fishing, there really isn't any skill. God is sovereign. He's the one who puts the fish on the hook, right? And so here you are, you're a bass, you're out there in the water and you see two legs walking towards you and you know that that's trouble coming you know that your life is in jeopardy. So you swim under a stump and you sit there. And then this little thing lands in the water. A lure, we call it a fly. Where I was at the time, there was some fly fishing going on. And you see that and you know that your life is in danger, but that that fly looks pretty good or whatever it is. And so you begin to rehearse in your mind, in your little fishy brain, how am I going to get that thing and get back in here and avoid those two legs? And pretty soon, your impulse to feed overwhelms your will to survive. And you take the bait and you end up on somebody's plate and they're enjoying your carcass later on. Well, that's the way it is with people in sin. Each of us are tempted and carried away by our own desires. And sometimes, not sometimes, always, even after coming to Christ, bad habits are hard to, hard to break. They're hard to get rid of. They die hard. Even in mature and maturing Christians, we are saved. The Holy Spirit indwells us, but we still bear the scar tissue on our hearts. And that scar tissue contains sin that inhibits us and that endangers us as we sometimes stop thinking rightly and start thinking wrongly. So hence we have that prayer, forgive us our debts, that statement, because we know we're going to sin and 
And so we ask God as we pray, according to the model prayer, to forgive us of our past sins. But then we take an opportunity to pray for our future sins, perhaps, and our future trials and our future temptations and our future impulses. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because even as Christ followers, we can take an opportunity for wonderful spiritual growth like a trial and turn it into an opportunity to sin. I'm reminded that God leads us into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And sometimes those paths of righteousness go through deep, dark valleys before we get to our destination. And we are to count it all joy as we encounter these trials, knowing that God is using the trials to work out our faith, to exercise and strengthen our spiritual muscles. But yet, yet sometimes we choose sin over sanctification. And so lead us not into temptation. R. Kent Hughes writes that the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer are structured like a ladder. The three top rings are in heaven, having to do with God's fatherhood and his name. The next rung down uh, has to do with his kingdom. And the third, his will. The next three rungs descend to earth as we pray for daily bread, for today's strength for today, for today's wisdom for today, for what we need for life today, today. As we pray for forgiveness and finally protection from evil. And on that ladder of the Lord's Prayer, we descend from the contemplation of God, who God is, into reflection upon who we are, sinners saved by grace. Sinful children. And we understand, if we understand God and our salvation rightly, how sinful we are. Thus, proper prayer includes a petition for spiritual protection. You can't help but notice, therefore, that it ends with Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because we need help. We need protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some translations say the evil one. The first half of that petition really has two requests, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The first one is negative. You know, don't let this happen to us. And the second is positive, you know, um, deliver us from the evil one. One of the things you have to remember in the model of prayer is none of those petitions occur in a vacuum or in isolation. One of the dangers of going through this one verse at a time is you can isolate these thoughts as if they were independent. You've, You've seen people do that in other cases where they just recite a Bible verse out of context. That's why we keep going back through the model of prayer over and over in its total complete state. Lead us not into temptation. If we learn anything in this momentary life in which we live on this fallen earth with our fallen bodies, it's that temptation is unavoidable. And so therefore, what can we do to rightly think and rightly pray about our reaction, about our our response to temptation? Well, today we're going to take a closer look at lead us not into temptation so that we can understand what it means for and apply it to our daily lives. And what I'd like to do is to either look at four insights or four perspectives on that statement, lead us not into temptation, so that we can understand it sufficiently and apply it continually 
as we pray this prayer or pray like this day in and day out. So let's talk about perspective number one or insight number one. On the surface, it looks like that this is an imperative. It looks like a command. Lead us not into temptation. And we've talked about this before. These are petitions, uh, petitions that arise from an understanding of how weak we are, how, how needful we are, how dependent we need to be upon God and not ourselves. And when you first look at it, and I don't, you know, we do d- touch on the grammar from time to time, but we're going to do that today. Grammatically, it looks like an imperative, like a command. But when you look at lead us not into temptation, if you don't understand the grammar necessarily, or if you take the sentence out of context, it looks like almost that God could be the author of sin or that God doesn't just leave you, lead you down the paths of righteousness, but he leads you towards sin. And we know that would be contrary to his character. And so many people are confused. Grammarians will tell you that this is in the, this is time for your grammar lesson, uh, the subjunctive mood. There's a debate, is it an imperative or is it a subjunctive? The two look identical in this case in the Greek, the way it would lay itself out in the original New Testament Greek. It's in the subjunctive. So, what's the subjunctive? It is the mood of possibility. It is the mood, it is the realm of the theoretical. And so what that does, it doesn't come through in English because our English language is contracting, you know, you can, thanks, long before texting and email, our language was crashing and burning, you might say. But it speaks of mere possibility, Uh, the possibility more than probability. It speaks again as the theoretical. And so you could read it like this. If it were possible for you to lead us into temptation, please don't. We ask that you not. The idea is, according to one commentator, Lord, preserve me from temptation that will bring me under its sway and cause me to fall. Not to get carried away, but you see this type of thinking in Proverbs. And when you understand the the grammar, it changes the sense of what you read. And the idea here is not the source of our temptations. God is not the source of our temptations. We are. We are the source of our temptations. We are the source of our danger. And the idea here is we need to lean on God and we need to lean into God's will and not our own experience like Adam and Eve did so that we do not sin. The writer of Proverbs puts it this way. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 We'll go on to eight. I'm sure you've uh, seen it before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Some translations say more accurately and he will direct your paths. And then verse seven, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. God is not the source of our temptation. And so what we're doing in essence is saying, Lord, protect me from me. Don't let me go astray. Don't allow me as I'm in this deep, dark valley and encountering the the trials that strengthen my faith and should strengthen our relationship, do something with that that I should not. So the grammar speaks to the theoretical or the subjunctive rather than a factual command. 
not to tempt us to sin. So if that's true, if this is the theoretical, what is going on here? This, lead us not into temptation, secondly, is a plea. It's a plea. It's a plea, a petition like other petitions that recognizes our need. So number two is that it is a plea. Lead us not into temptation. Why? Because we can be like moths to a flame. We can be like, the, like a bass, in a, bass in, a, in, a, in a lake. Lured and tempted and carried away. Trusting in ourselves. What does it say? There's a, a way that seems right to a man. Obviously not to a fish. But in the end, it is the way of death. And we see this throughout the Bible, this warning about our desires, about our ability to take something good and turn it into something bad. That is the nature of the fall. The Lord's Prayer is really filled with something we call anthropology, the doctrine of man. And I want to go back to an old friend that we've used in the last two weeks, Proverbs 30, verses 8 through 9. And the writer of Proverbs says this, it's a prayer. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Why? Because human beings are inclined to lie, either through omission or commission, right? And then he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Verse 9, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This man knows what he's capable of. And you can see these principles. You can, this is like an Old Testament version almost of the Lord's Prayer. And this, this writer understands, Solomon understands, that regardless of how well or poorly things are going, he's capable of turning lemonade into a lemon of turning a win into a loss, of responding wrongly to his life situation and turning a trial that would strengthen and improve his faith into a temptation that would lead him to stumble and fall. Lead us not into temptation represents an acknowledgement of our weakness as fallen human beings and, our, and the necessity of our dependence upon God to keep us out of harm's way, to deliver us from evil. And it, as it is an acknowledgement of our proclivities towards sin and even self-enticement. Human beings need protection from themselves, not just the devil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's why you all, God uses in the Bible, he uses the sheep analogy. Because sheep will wander and stray. Sheep will do things to harm themselves you know, the only, the only thing dumber than a sheep is a chicken, you know. But they weren't into chickens in the Middle East. They were into sheep. But growing up in the South, have you ever seen a chicken in a rainstorm? A bitty, a, a little baby chicken? They'll turn up and try to drink the rainwater and drown themselves. They are just dumb, but good eating, right? And so that's what happens, you know. We're like moths to a flame. Lead us not into temptation, we're like children who just have to test our limits, which brings us to Paul Dunwoody. When I was in the 
second grade, this left a lifelong impression on me. Paul was the guy who always did what the teacher said not to do. So in those days, we celebrated Christmas in public school. So they were setting up the Christmas tree and the teacher said, stay away from it. And why, why Miss Riggs said this? And whatever you do, don't take out one of those light bulbs and stick your finger in there. Paul Dunwoody, that was, those were his marching orders. And I remember hearing a scream and a pop and teachers, you know, grown-ups running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And Paul Dunwoody had, boom, you know. And uh, apparently Paul drooled a little bit because there was a burn or a red spot where the drool was too when he electrocuted himself. Uh, he wasn't killed. He lived on to disobey the teacher all the way through primary school, primary school. But that's why the Apostle Paul writes, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Why did he write this? Well, the context of this is, shall we sin more that grace may, have, may abound more? Paul understood human nature. And so in the model prayer, because Jesus understands human nature, having created us, he says, and pray like this, think like this, don't let me hurt me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, when you read verse 13, particularly as an new believer or as an unbeliever, it's hard to imagine that we are petitioning God to protect us from something akin to his choice. On the surface, again, we look at it and says, lead us not to temptation. You get the impression that God could lead us astray or would lead us astray under the right circumstances. That's because we like to blame shift, right? When we look at our culture today, all of our problems are somebody else's fault. But again, you have to think of the context. And so I want you to look at this statement Thirdly, as a, as a, in, in the sense of its enigmatic statement, it, it's an enigma. It's a paradox. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, admittedly, there is a bit of a paradox here because it looks like we're saying, God, protect us, protect us from your choices. And so this statement, lead us not into temptation, is a bit of an enigma. If you pull this verse out of context and in isolation and isolate it away from the near context of forgive us our debts or give us this day our daily bread or the wider context of scripture. That's why we use scripture to interpret scripture. We take a less clear passage sometimes and hold it up under the light of a clearer passage, a more comprehensive statement. And we understand that sometimes there appears to be what we call an apparent contradiction, something that seems contradictory, but upon closer examination is complementary, harmonizes with the rest of Scripture. And when you go through the rest of Scripture, the character of God is enough to help us understand that this plea, understand what this plea or this petition does not mean. I mean, who else makes us lie down in green pastures, right? Who else leads us beside the still, the calm, the safe waters? Who else restores our souls? Who else leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake? All of scripture tells us that God is good and holy and righteous. And that's why he tells us, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
And so why then would a holy God lead us into a place where he knew we would fail? What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that God does not tempt us to sin? It does. The Bible says that God does not, he cannot be tempted and nor does he tempt other people to sin. The Bible says that temptation is our problem. It's our wrong response to God's commands. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.